It's time for the Ron and Brian podcast. Get ready to fill your ears with the latest news, politics, current events, and whatever else we feel like talking about this week. And now, your hosts, Ron and Brian. Good evening, everybody. It is Sunday night. It is 8 o'clock on the East Coast, and it is time for episode 246, I believe, of the Ron and Brian podcast. Brian, how the hell are you, sir? I am doing great. It is Sunday. It is uh, the, the, the hour of the week that I look forward to the most. I get to look at your beautiful face looking right back at me. You keep me entertained. I entertain you. It's like um, uh, it's like paradise. All right. Well, we got a jam-packed show tonight, so let's get right into it with Drink of the Week. 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 Drink of the All week. right, of the week. Brian, what uh, what are you drinking this week? This week, Ron, I I, I, I took a little tr- a, a virtual trip over to Ireland and brought back Smittix Red well, Ale. Smittix, nice. That is absolutely correct. First, let's take a look look at this amber hue. Mm. Look at look at the hue as you as you look right past me into. Into the beer. Um, what are we looking at here, Ron? We are talking about a distinctive ruby red color that makes it unmistakably Smittix. With a refreshingly balanced taste, this is a blend of mild hops, sweet malt, and roasted barley. The gentle bitterness of the hops is perfectly complemented by the sweet malty notes. It's a it's copper-colored ale with a thick pillowy head. The aroma is sweet, malty caramel notes. It has a very clean taste. Great hop flavors coming in at ABV, 4.5%. Smittix Red Ale going down my gullet. Smittix is a classic. Uh, wise choice. It's always good. Ooh. That mm. very familiar, kind of a nutty taste almost. Yes, yes. Kind of like that scene in um, Austin Powers where um, – they go into the room with the uh, with the sumo wrestlers, and uh, Austin Powers starts drinking the fecal matter, and he's like very nutty. <laughs> uh, just as a disclaimer, we are not implying that Smedix <sighs> contains fecal matter. No, not at all. This is a delicious beer. That's Absolutely good. 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 I already uh, almost halfway done with it, Ron. Yes, Ron. Yes, my friend, Ron. Yes, sir. What are you drinking this week? Uh, pulling a, bo- uh, a can from the Tavor box yet again. Uh, this is from Central Coast Brewing. This is their Golden Glow Pale Lager. Uh, they're based out of San Luis Obispo in California, uh, clocking in at 5.2%. Um, got a nice uh, clear body on it for a lager. Look at that gold color right there. I mean, that just Ooh. looks delicious. Let's take now that a looks like a beer. That looks like a beer, my friend. Oh yeah, now that's good. That is, uh, that's the kind of beer that's crushable. I mean, it's it's winter time, uh, but that is uh, that is a beer that I think you can uh, you can prepare to drink as you get ready uh, for hot podcast or summer, mm. just around the corner. 
The thing is, uh, at least in my world, uh, and I know we might be a little different. I know you tend to go for the ales, the porters, the stouts, you know, during this time of winter. Sure. Um, but to me, a crushable beer is a year-round item. No, I would agree with that. I would agree with you, that 100%. It, if you've got yourself something crushable that you can have five, six without without really starting to feel heavy, um, it doesn't matter what the calendar says. Nope. You can always enjoy a crushable beer. Throw the calendar out the window. Mm. All right, coming up now, uh, we've got Beef of the Week. Ron and Brian's Beef of the Week. Brian, what's bothering you this week? (sighs) Nothing major, but... I do have something that that did bother me earlier this week. Okay. Um, as 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 friends of the show who have been watching over the past uh, what is it twenty three seasons that we've been doing this show, um, you'll know that anytime I make a, a a trip over to my local Costco, I come out with some type of beef. This weekend was no different. <laughs> All right. What happened? The lady and I went over to Costco yesterday, had to pick up a couple things. Of course. Um, you know, I was I was a little low on Cheerios, so I bought a good 16-pound case. Um, was a little bit low on um, dishwashing detergent, so I picked up six gallons. Yep. Um, but uh, while I was there, I, I really do believe that when you go to Costco, you are going to witness some of the most inconsiderate human behavior Um that is uh, on display nowadays in society. Um, there, for some reason, when you are exiting a aisle in Costco, and I'm sure it's the same at Sam's Club or BJ's, depending where you um, where your uh, bulk item uh, warehouse style uh, food services. I don't know what they're called anymore. Um, instead of actually exiting the aisle and continuing in a direction. I believe that a lot of people seem to be under the assumption that you come to a complete stop upon reaching the end of the aisle before exiting the aisle. Almost like they feel like they're merging into traffic. Yes. So you, um, the number of people that are um, moving a cart forward while looking sideways at the um, items on the, uh, uh, on the warehouse racks and uh, have zero concern whether they are walking into a human being and not realizing that, hey, I should also you know look forward. Um, and then also, and I've said this before, I will repeat myself, the number of people who, who literally will jam pack the end of an aisle because somebody is giving out free samples mm. of, of, of a cracker. Right. Not even on any, nothing on top of the cracker. Yesterday they were giving away crackers. They were giving away pieces of impossible chicken nuggets, where it was no chicken was harmed in the in the making of this product. Correct. Um, uh, and there was there was something else. It might have been some kind of uh, uh, um, uh, what the fuck was it? It wasn't a fruit. Doesn't matter. It, it's it literally was just. It, I I I go into Costco and I spend the entire time getting mad at people. I feel the same way. I have very similar experience. I think it's just universal across all Costco's. So why do we do it? Why do we keep going? We love a value, Brian. We love a good uh, value. We like a dollar ninety nine hot dog and soda is what we like. Have you ever had one of their hot dogs? I have. How are they? I mean, they're about what you would expect. 
Okay. They're fine. I mean, it's, you know, it's two bucks. It's a foot long hot dog, you know. That's the role like that Nathan's. really. No, no, no. Nothing's like Nathan's. It's, it's the role really that 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 kills the Costco hot dog. The hot dog in itself is fine. The role right. is just too. Like if I'm having a hot dog, I don't want like a a, a thick, doughy roll. I want like right. Like I think that's what where where Nathan gets it right is that it's a very minimal roll that they put it on. Sure. Like you really get. Of course. Yeah. I don't think you should have more roll than meat in your mouth at any time. Um, which ironically was your slogan in college, but. That was when I ran for student body president. That was my uh, campaign slogan. It was. It was inspiring. Less, less, less bread, more meat. Yep. In your mouth. Yeah. Vote for Brian. Ron. Yes. What's bothering you? So my beef this week, Brian, and buckle in. It's going to be a ride. Uh, is the Friends experience currently taking Ooh. place at the King of Prussia Mall outside Philadelphia? I believe also taking place in New York right now. I've walked by um, so, it. It is on 23rd in Lexington. So I will uh, I will say I'm not a huge uh, fan of Friends, uh, but my wife is. She's a huge okay. fan of the show. Again, uh, is it one of the more problematic uh, TV shows of the 90s? Yes. Uh, has it aged poorly? Sure. Um, is it, despite having taken place in one of the most diverse cities in the world, uh, showed a tremendous lack of diversity in the cast until they awkwardly started to cram people of color into some of the episodes in later seasons? Mm -hmm. Yes, but it's also got some catchy slogans, apparently, and my wife turns it on and likes to listen to it as she falls asleep each and every night. So I have come to know the shows, you know, regardless. Now, the other thing we know, Brian, as we talk about often in this show, is there are some certain things in life. There's death. Of course. There's taxes. And there's the fact that I'm just an amazing husband. And, and you've often said off the show that one of, at times, you feel like you wish you had been born a woman so I could wife you up. And, and I appreciate yes. when you say that. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, I'll do a date night for my wife. I will get us mm. tickets to the Friends experience because she likes Friends so much. Um, and I'll make dinner reservations uh, for a restaurant that's at the mall that we both like, and it'll be a nice night out. So I get two tickets to the five o'clock entry. They're timed entries. Okay. Two tickets Everything to the, is nowadays. Two tickets to the five o'clock entry to the Friends Experience. Pay attention. I'm, I'm going to be like the prosecution in the Alex Murdoch case. Keep track of the timeline. So sure. we've got a five o'clock entrance into the Friends Experience. Sure. And then we've got dinner at 630. So you're going to be in and out hour and a half. So they said, give yourself 45 minutes to do the friends oh, experience. Okay. So I was like, all Perfect. right. So even if she wants to spend a little bit more time, sure. And then we're at the mall, you know, whatever. You got so, plenty. You got plenty of. You can walk around, do a little window shopping before you sit down. Exactly. So pre-arrival, fantastic. I get an email on Friday saying, "Hey, you're coming to the friends experience tomorrow. Um, here is where we're located in the mall because it's a huge, ridiculously large mall. Mm -hmm. Here is where you should park and." Get there 10 minutes before your ticket time. 4.50. Let's let's keep track of this timeline here. Okay. So we roll on over, um, get there about 4.30, do a little shopping. Um, actually, we probably got there a little bit before 4.30 because we went up about 20 minutes ahead of time. They said be there 10 minutes ahead of time. You know what? Let's go up. Maybe we'll get in a little early. We go up the escalator to the third floor where this place is. And... There is, I'm going to say conservatively, somewhere between 100 and 150 people in line waiting to get into this thing. And I'm is like, is the line moving fast? 
we'll get there. Oh, jeez. So I'm like, I, but I have five, five o'clock. T- and everybody in line is like, yeah, we all have general admission five o'clock tickets. Now, oh. the line reflects the same diversity as I mentioned that Friends did. It was, it was mostly middle-aged white people. Younger sure. white people, but mostly middle-aged white people. Like, okay. people were walking by saying, hey, is there a John Tesh concert going on? Like, that's how middle-aged and white it was. Like, someone else came by and said, is Tucker Carlson doing a book signing here? You know, uh, is this one of those classes where you learn how to cook with as few spices as possible? Like, that's how middle-aged and white it was. Sure. And then there's the outfits. People are wearing Friends paraphernalia. There is apparently a variety of Friends t-shirts, hats. Um, uh, One group of women were over the top dressed because I think they were doing this for the Instagram. Like it was was absolutely ridiculous. So we get at the end of this very long line. So it is now about quarter of five. So we're waiting. The line does not move quickly. Okay. So... My wife's like, I'm going to go down and shop in this one store. I'm like, fine. I'm like, I'll text you if the line starts to move. Needless to say, she was able to go shop and buy some stuff and come back. And we'd only moved about halfway up to the front. So then we get to the front. You know, security checks our bags. We scan our tickets to only then get into another line and wait in that line. Now the clock's ticking. Now we were like, we, we may not make our 630. Like people are literally getting up. Like everyone apparently had the same idea. Like people are getting out of line and leaving because they had the same idea, but they had like six o'clock dinner reservation. Right. Like, oh, we, we're not going to make our dinner. And of course, now it's like Saturday and you can't change it. Like Correct. we could we could have gotten like an 830 seating if yeah. I wanted to move our reservation. So we, we make a backup seven o'clock reservation at another restaurant. Smart. Then we get like into a holding pen. The guy's like, all right, uh, 30 people can come up and you'll go in next. All right, fantastic. We wait. Now, what like, time is it at this point? So we are, it's about quarter of six. So we've been in line for an hour now mm-hmm. for a for a five o'clock entry ticket. I felt like I was more on Seinfeld than friends. Like, you know how to take a reservation. You just yes. don't know how to honor the reservation. Yes, yes. So then we go into the first part which uh, is like a video presentation um, where they give you just like a little flashback on the show, which we know it's friends. And I, mm-hmm. and it's, I believe supposed to be voiced by the actress that played Janice on friends, but I don't think they actually got the actress. I think they got a voiceover actress that sounded either no. that or she just, she just doesn't remember how to do the voice anymore. What and was they, the voice? Like, who, I don't even know who was Janice. And she was one of Chandler's girl on and off girlfriends during the show. Had like okay. a very nasally annoying voice. Sure. And then they give you, of course, you've paid for your ticket, but they have to do the additional cash grab. They give you a little card with a QR code because sure. there's going to be photo ops um, as you go through the 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 show. So we have sure. to wait there till the first photo op through the group ahead of us gets through the first photo op which we go in, it is the iconic couch in front of the fountain. So there's 30 of us, which now need to wait in line to have our photo taken with this couch. And the woman photographer is like, well, if you don't, if you don't want to buy this photo, you can just go into the exhibit. And we're like, we don't want to buy these photos. We'll take our own photos. We start walking through the exhibit and it's like, there's some costumes from the show. 
There's some scripts from the show. Um, there is the couch, the, the famous pivot scene where Ross is trying to get a couch up the staircase. That was another photo op. We skipped that. Obviously we don't want to do Are it. you allowed to like sit on the couch? Uh, it's, it's like on a staircase. So it's that one you couldn't really go to, but other okay. stuff you were right. allowed to sit on. Um, there right. are, uh, wigs of Rachel's various hairstyles, um, throughout the seasons. Uh, there is Joey and Chandler's apartment. Uh, there is a timeline of, of everyone, all the cast members dated. Um, there's Monica and Rachel's apartment, and then it finishes with Central Perk. So we we get in. We probably got in the door at 10 of 6. We were walking out of the exhibit by 6.10. Like if you take out whoa, all whoa, of the- Whoa, whoa, whoa. You did that in like 25 minutes? In like 20 minutes. Because if you take out the time, you would have to wait- for all of the photo shoots that you could pay for, um, you literally just could blow through it in 20 minutes. And that was with taking photos of my wife in different sets and things like that. Damn. And then they hit you with the gift shop on the way out, of course. Of course. Do I dare ask how much the tickets were? Um, So I I bought them early online, so they were only $39 each. Now, if you had wanted to jump the line, if you wanted the VIP ticket, that was $20 additional each. If you wanted to not have to wait in that general admission line. But you want to hear the crazy thing. The first day that they were open, they just opened on February 10th there in King of Prussia. 2,000 people went through at 40 bucks a pop. So that's 80 grand in like one day. And they're going to be there through May. Good for them. Hey, I mean, listen, listen, good for them. Kudos. But long story short, my wife had a good time uh, and we made our 630 dinner reservation. So um, but I think the fact that like when you buy a five o'clock ticket, you expect to be going in sometime in the ballpark at five o'clock. Mm-hmm. It's just me. Nice. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm going to say this to you. It uh, you um, you are a good husband. I do my best. What was, more importantly, what was Mrs. Ron's um, uh, experience? Was she um, was she happy with it or was she, she was, also yeah. the mindset of, wow, I can't believe that we, you know, we did this in, in a half an hour. What a waste. I think, you know, I think she liked, because we, I took photos of her in the different sets and like, sure. you know, at, 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 uh, at Ross's keyboard and holding Rachel's or holding Phoebe's guitar. Like she had fun with it because she's okay. a big fan of the show. So there right. was a lot of stuff that she enjoyed and I was just happy saying that she enjoyed it. Now, at any point, were there any podcast stickers seen in the um, exhibit? There were not. I mean, they were, there was a lot of security there to make sure you didn't touch certain oh. things. Because these okay. are apparently uh, actual uh, relics from the, the original show. Really? Okay. All right. That that makes sense. Speaking of relics, Ron. Yes. Speaking of relics. Do you have something you'd like to show the audience, Brian? I would like to show the audience this box. This box, people. This box. This box. This box, Ron, do you want to tell us what this box is? So uh, I have honored uh, my commitment to the Super Bowl bet. Um, Brian is 51% owner of the podcast, and therefore he gets the title belt. Uh, So I I shipped that out on Tuesday due to the uh, federal holiday on Monday. I believe you got that on uh, on Thursday, Thursday. correct? Yes. Um, And you have kept it. 
And there has been a lot of speculation as to if the actual uh, title belt is in that box. Um, so you want to do the boxing uh, unboxing live yes. here on the air. So that is the original uh, box from Trophy Smack that they shipped the belt in. Again, Trophy Smack, a uh, great producer of uh, podcast title belts. So, Brian, crack that open. Let me know what you have in there. Let me know. Uh, there are a few people who are doubting that I fulfilled my obligation. Uh, just be careful cutting into that. Uh, there's we, You might you don't want to damage have- the front of the belt. We did have a um, a poll on um, our Patreon as to whether you would have actually sent me the um, the championship belt. Right. I believe by a seventy five to twenty five percent margin, people said yes. You did send me the belt, and I see the fucking belt. Holy shit! There you go. This is so much bigger than I thought it was. Oh my god! <laughs> it's yeah, and uh, don't there's a there's a bag of bolts in the. I uh, saw them. Yeah. So if anything falls out of the back of that, you can fix it. People, thank you, thank you, thank you. How much does this hurt you, Ron? How you know much what? does this hurt you? Seeing your glee. Um, makes up for it. And plus, you know, I, I take solace in the fact that I was the first champion and that is something you, you can never take away. Um, you know, like no one, no one talks about the second person to walk on the moon. Uh, they talk Correct. about the first. So I, I feel my place in history is secure, but I'm happy uh, to see that it's, it's an impressive belt. You have to admit when we ordered this, this so much more impressive than I you, thought. You did not expect that we would be getting that high quality of a product. No. Hold on. You can see why yeah! you you can see why you would want to just put that on and walk around your house, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Ron, let's do the fucking show. All right. Well, Brian has the belt. And from what I understand, Brian, uh, you have also, in one of your first acts as champion, uh, brought a new sponsor uh, to the show. Yes. Um, would you like to? Uh, would you like to discuss who our new sponsor is this week? Our sponsor is now. Now, one of the things that I struggled with during. Hold on, I got to pick it up again. During <laughs> the year, one of the things that I struggled with was securing paid sponsors. Right. However, now, and I believe the reason why I struggled was because when when I was talking to the marketing companies, the marketing firms, the marketing reps from these companies, and they said, are we talking to a decision maker? And I would say, no, I'm 49% owner. And they would, calls would immediately end. Meetings would immediately be um, canceled. And I believe... Um, uh, earlier this week, I made a uh, call with a um, a small boutique hospitality firm and sat there and said to them, listen, would you like to come on the show? Um, would you like to be a sponsored um, uh, for the show? And they, they, they heard my pitch and I, they were like, are we talking to a decision maker? Are we talking to a winner? And I said, yes, you are talking to a champion. Ron? Yes. Um. Are you planning a visit or an event 
in State College, Pennsylvania? Well, say hi at the Hyatt. Explore the best of State College luxury with artfully designed inviting spaces at Hyatt Place State College. That's right, the Hyatt Place State College, which offers a boutique-style atmosphere with comforts that keep you relaxed, connected, and ready to tackle the day. And just for our listeners, the Hyatt Place State College will give 15%... I don't believe that was a sanctioned uh, discount right there, so I'm afraid I had to cut you off. We'll, uh, we'll review that, uh, that ad. I believe there may be a conflict of interest as well. <laughs> what? I got the belt. I got the belt. I can't believe it. So, so once again, you're not willing to take their money. Listen, I, I just think uh, these are even though you're you're still uh, still podcast owner, there's still some legal ramifications of the things that you do, and we just need to have conversations about that. Um, but let's get on with our stories of the week. Uh, with you being 51% owner, I assume you uh, held held Matt to a high standard to get our stories of the week uh, bumper produced. Uh, I spoke to him. Unfortunately, he did not return any of my messages. I did speak to Matt's mother. Um, she cares about him deeply. Sure. Um, you know, you As we, we go back. Do. We go so many years back. Um, you know, his mother's an angel. She's put up with so much. She told me she's not heard from him in uh, six days. Um, the last she did hear from him. He was in Detroit, Michigan, saying that he was um, looking to buy a car. Um, he did refer to um, a something as a hoopty, um, and uh, she's not heard from him since. So we're just hoping that Matt's okay. All right, well, then let's get right into it. Brian, what was your favorite story of this week? My favorite story of this week is um, – it, it takes place in Florida. You know me. I, yes. I'm a lover of any story you are um, that takes place for, in Florida. For Florida stories, yes. Do you have a photo of Uneski Ramirez Martinez? There you go. Unes you are looking at Uneski Ramirez Martinez. Now, a lot of people would sit there and say, this man looks like a weightlifter. This man looks like a powerlifter, a trainer of some type. Maybe mm. MMA, perhaps? Very possible. He's got the uh, he's got that neckline. I've always been jealous of people with those kind of necks. Yeah, I mean you, you can't. Um, uh, a Florida high school coach, Uneski Ramirez Martinez, has been busted for getting two sixteen year old students to let him film them performing a sex act in the classroom, then trying to blackmail one of them into having sex with him. He was appro he approached the teens inside downtown Doral. Charter Upper School in suburban Miami on Valentine's Day, nonetheless. After asking lewd questions, the 37-year-old athletics coach took them to a classroom to, quote, do whatever they want, only for the teens to notice that there was a camera in the room. The six-foot-five then took them to another room, told them to, quote, unquote, do it, then stood filming them through a two-way window as they performed a sex act, the warrant said. Um, video from the camera in the adjacent room caught him then giving the duo a thumbs up and even giving one a fist bump. Ramirez Martinez approached one of the teens the next day telling her that she needed to be with someone more experienced as he tried to persuade her to perform the same sex act on him, the arrest warrant said. He continued pestering her when she refused, bragging that he liked minors. The girl finally reported him when he threatened to lie to the other team that she had been with unless she succumbed to his advances. Ramirez Martinez was arrested this past Monday 
pictured here smiling in his mugshot photo. Um, and he is currently being held on $40,000 bond facing charges of uh, um, uh, uh, an offense against students by authority figures, solicitation of a child and engage in an act that constitutes sexual battery by a custodial authority and promoting the sexual performance by a child. Well, that is uh, disturbing. And yet we in Florida, we are our, our education officials are obsessed over banning books and and drag brunches. Yes, yes, absolutely. That is the focus of the Florida State Department of Education, not monsters like UNESCO Ramirez Martinez. Ron? Yes. What's your story of the week? So my story coming off of, uh, of Valentine's Day, Brian, it's a love story. And I know you are as romantic as they come. Um, we have a uh, We have a photo here of uh, Tony and Francis Toto. Uh, they live in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and a, uh, a local newspaper shared their story as they celebrated 57 years of loving marriage uh, going through this past Valentine's Day. However, they also told of back in 1983 when Tony and Francis had a bit of rough patch within their marriage. Um, the two uh, had built a life together running their family-owned pizza shop with their four kids. However, Francis discovered that Tony had been unfaithful, um, and Francis was devastated. However, uh, she decided that Tony had to pay. Uh, Francis hired teenage hitmen to kill her husband. The teens attempted to kill Tony five different times. The young hitmen beat him with a bat, blew up his car, and then shot him in the head and chest. Uh, he was shot after Francis cooked him a nice dinner with a special ingredient of sleeping pills. Uh, Tony spent 12 days in the hospital recuperating. Francis was in, in arrested. However, uh, after Tony was released from the hospital, he immediately bailed Francis out of jail. And I think there's really no better uh, testament to love than a husband uh, bailing uh, his wife out of jail after she has, uh, has, she has attempted to kill him. Um, so their, their story is, uh, Tony said, you know, communication may have been the issue. I mean, I would think the affair would be the issue. Sure. Uh, but they said that since 83, they've worked on communicating better. And even though he has tried to, she tried to kill him, they are still together after 57 years. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Yes. Would you be upset at your wife if you found out that she cheated on you like 30 years ago? I mean, we weren't together 30 years ago. No, so. what I mean is like, say, fast forward, you know, 40 years ago. Okay. Um, and then you got, you somehow found out that she had had an affair, like just so many years ago on you. I would, I would be upset. Yes. You still would be upset. I don't yes. know that I would, um, I probably would be upset, but I also don't know that I would want to um, have, have, have my spouse killed. It's a tough, well, I mean, I don't know that I'd want my spouse killed. I think in general... Uh, that's typically a bad way to go about handling. Would you make her repay you for the friend's tickets? <laughs> I probably uh, would send her a Venmo request for her half of the ticket. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. You're, you are a reasonable, reasonable person. Uh, Billy brings up a good point. This isn't the first time we've heard of someone bailing a wife out after an assault. Uh, it's, it's a theme. And I'm not going to say that's part of the reason it was my story of the week. But I'm not going to say it wasn't part of the reason that it became my story of the week. You want to know something? 
I never made the connection. <laughs> really? Even after I emphasized it twice in the past story? Nope. Nope. All right. Fair enough. I did not. I did not make that connection. I guess I was just too distracted by this world championship belt. You are right, Ron. This is six pounds of gold strapped right here. Now, uh, moving on, uh, we've got uh, stories from the New York Post, always uh, impartial, always uh, fair and balanced. Uh, there was a report. Now, this is uh, you're going to have to help me with this a little bit, because in in reading the story from the New York Post, it talks about the U.S. Energy Department um, releasing a classified report saying that uh, the virus that causes COVID-19 most likely leaked from a Chinese laboratory where other news reports, news outlets have said that this report states that it could have leaked from a Chinese laboratory, but it's it's a low-level intelligence, meaning that they haven't really been able to back it up with any facts. Yet the New York Post is running this as is its gospel. Well, I think you're looking at the New York Post as a news organization, oh. um, very much um, uh, being agenda-driven, um, they absolutely want to um, uh, uh, highlight any story that makes the Chinese um, look worse. Um, it is uh, um, uh, reading the post on a regular basis as as one has a tendency to do as a fan of this show. You definitely see that the narrative that is very popular amongst the post is in line with the um the the rush the the excuse me the republican freudian slip there the republican uh gop party which is that china is the greatest threat and that russia is not so bad right um the post agenda very much is anything having to do with china is um this country you know this is a country that we need to go to war with while um anything having to do with ukraine russia is ukraine is losing and that russia is going to win you know, and I, and again, I think it just it just continues to show that I don't know that we still have an answer one way or the other. I think it's still in the realm of possibility. But even FBI put it at a moderate level of confidence, while the Energy Department put it at a low level of confidence. Not quite sure yeah, why the it's... Energy Department is releasing classified reports, though. Well, because we put a lot of energy into the pandemic, you know. Um, we put, you know, we, uh, we 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 people were drinking bleach. People were taking horse tranquilizers and other medicines. That was a crazy um, time. Remember that? Children, like, children were uh, uh, being declared not having any receptors. Like it's it's hard to believe that that was only three years ago. Like we're literally oh coming up yeah. on the third anniversary of when we really started to shut things down. And sure, like sure. people were like, oh yeah, let's let's just inject bleach into our veins. Uh, let's take uh, let's take horse tranquilizers. Um, Let's wear gloves while we go uh, shopping. And now, you know, some of us will sit in a packed airport in Cancun uh, to sit on a packed flight coming home. And while at the same time, um, were you wearing a mask at all on that airplane? Of course not. Were you wearing a title belt? Look at that. It's beautiful. I can't even miss it because the look of joy on your face from having that title belt, just really, it fills my heart. Ron, you're going to see this belt again. Ron, you will see this belt again. I'm sure I will. You're going to see it on April 6th, I believe. I believe that's the date. When on AEW Wednesday. comes to the UBS Arena in Belmont, New York. 
And I will be carrying this. I, I so regret, and I'm going to, I, you know this, I so regret having um, uh, acknowledged that I will be, that uh, the winner of the uh, uh, world of the Super Bowl bet will be carrying the belt all day throughout the arena. It's, it's a lot to carry. I'm going to be it's so sick of this. It's heavy. I'm be so sick of this. But you know what? Maybe I'll let uh, maybe I'll let Billy hold it for a yeah. little bit. <sighs> Listen, I think you have some photo opportunities when we're there that night. I mean, I think it's sure. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to say the least. April, Absolutely, April fifth. I'm sorry, April fifth. Good. So when I go to the UBS Arena on April sixth, I will be sorely disappointed. You will. You um, will. Yes. So Marjorie Taylor Greene made the news again last week, uh, being accused of calling for civil war in a President's Day tweet. She said, quote, we need a national divorce. Uh, we need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Um, I have no issue with that, actually. I don't either. I, I, I feel, you know, I, you know, listen, I've spoken about this multiple times in different ways. I do. I am a firm believer in the First Amendment. I do believe that people should be allowed to speak their opinion. And I believe at the same time that there should be ramifications for what that opinion is. Um, I do, you know, the people are, um, you know, the left is acting as if nobody has ever brought up the idea of um, of uh, the South seceding or, or right. Republican states seceding or, um, you know, uh, a, a realignment of our of our nation. The fact that we've been in existence for over 200 years and, um, you know, we, we've had we've already had a very bloody civil war. Um, I think that these are views that are, are, are well represented within the country. Um, when the day comes that they are held by a majority of the people, I think that's when something, you know, uh, needs to take place. But to sit there and just um, uh, ha be able to, you know, this this woman who, whether we like it or not, is a duly elected representative right. of a congressional district. Um, you know, it's one thing for, for, you know, for Republicans in Long Island to sit there and say, hey, with George Santos, we voted for somebody, but they had completely lied about who they were. And therefore, they, you know, this person should not be in, um, you know, uh, uh, an elected official representing us. In this case with Marjorie Taylor Greene, who I believe is from Georgia. Correct. I think. You're um, correct in that. The people are of of her district are um, are fans of hers. They support her in what she says and does. Um, so, who are you and I, or um, uh, you know the, the 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 woke media, which I believe we are very proud supporters of, um, to sit there and say that what she that she does not have the right to make these comments? Right, and people are calling her seditious, treasonous. I mean, the the sad thing is is. You know, she obviously makes commentary like this just to get publicity, sure. uh, just to get traction on social media. And it never fails. Like Correct. she's she is one of those people that if you ignored her would probably just shut up eventually because she'd have to find another way to to get attention in the media. But instead, you know, she goes she she panders to the lowest common denominator and, you know, media outlets pick this up and run with it. But at the end of the day. We've we've run the numbers. We've talked about the reports like the majority of the red states in the country mm -hmm. would not survive without the tax dollars that are contributed to them Correct. from the blue states. Sure. I, I want to say in the top 25 uh, states that give more mm -hmm. tax money than they take, you know, roughly 95 percent of those were blue states. Sure. So, 
I would say there's probably a ton of blue states that would be like, fantastic, let's separate because we can get so much more shit done in our own states if they didn't have to take all that federal money out of our states to pay for states that can't afford it themselves. Sure. And, and yet that's somehow not part of the dialogue. No. Georgia somehow thinks that because they take, you know, I believe it's on average um, uh, $5 from the federal government per resident of Georgia. Um, they would not be able to um, uh, survive at their current um, standard of living, which is already atrocious. Right. You know, we, we, we describe these states. They have some of the lowest, per, you know, per capita incomes. Um and um, somehow think that without the federal government support, they'd be doing just fine. Right. I mean, you look at these states and they're already ranking near the bottom in education, mm-hmm. um, in healthcare. care. Uh, they rank near the top in infant mortality, uh, mother mortality after giving birth. I, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. But she managed not to be uh, the, the, the GOP member with the worst take this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be Republican David Eastman. Uh, he is a legislature. He's a legislator in Alaska. Um, he questioned um, during a committee meeting to discuss how children are impacted by physical um, or sexual abuse or witnessing domestic violence. He questioned whether the death of child abuse victims could be, quote, a cost savings because it would mean that they don't need government services later in life. Um, lawmakers were shown a study indicating each incident of fatal child abuse costs society $1.5 million, uh, a figure reached by assessing the impact of trauma and the child's loss of earnings over a lifetime. However, Eastman was unimpressed and questioned whether fatal child abuse could be economically beneficial to a wider society. He said, quote, it can be argued periodically that it's actually a cost savings because that child is not going to need any of those government services that they might otherwise be entitled to receive and need based on growing up in this type of environment. Wow. Um, That's a hot take. But this is the right to life party. This is the life that wants every child's life to be protected prior to coming out of the womb. But... Once they come out of the womb, well, if you die and you're disadvantaged or you're poor, at, you know, we'll save money in the long run. You're on your own. Fuck them. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's shocking the lack of um, I don't know. I, I'm still shocked at just the lack of concern for other humans that are um, uh, demonstrated by, like you said, the so-called right to life group. It's it's and this I mean, again, saying the quiet part out loud. This guy was. Yeah, but it's just shocking. So uh, question for you, Brian. We ask yeah. a lot of questions. Here's another sure. one for you. What are you watching? Ooh, what am I watching? Um, I finished Ted Lasso season two, which you said you enjoyed. I, I didn't finish season two. I like season one. I, I have not finished season two. OK, I finished season two. Um, season three should be coming out next month, I believe. I will be watching it, um, but not sure why season two needed to exist. Um, also, that uh, uh, that show actually drove me to um, watching stuff on Apple TV, which I have not watched You know, Apple TV in a very long time, despite paying $6.99 a month for it. <laughs> right. um, 
But while there, I also saw that Gary Alderman is uh, in a show on there, which uh, is two seasons long. I just finished season one. It is called Slow Horses. It is a uh, story about MI5 spy agencies. That's kind of like their FBI, CIA domestic um, uh, spy service. Um, very interesting. Uh, you know, in, in true uh, British style, it's about six episodes a season and you're right. done. Each episode's about 40, 45 minutes or whatnot. Um, kept your interest, um, some twists, some turns, but overall, um, uh, easy to follow and whatnot. And he's such a damn fine actor. Right. You know, I mean, he, and, and here he plays a, you know, down on his luck, um, uh, basically counting days to retirement spy, um, looking to, uh, you know, not get involved in anything. And obviously he gets sucked in, but, um, really a, a good show. Definitely enjoyed it. Also, um, watched on Hulu. Hold on, I wrote it down because I'm never going to be able to remember the stolen youth inside the cult at Sarah Lawrence. Um, that is the story of Larry Ray, who was the father of a college student whose daughter was living in a dorm with about eight other students. Um, he gets released from prison. Apparently, he was in prison for about 10 years, gets released, um, immediately moves in with the daughter in her dorm room. Uh, and, and before you know it, he has, um, basically, um, uh, created a cult amongst all the other kids, um, that were in that dorm where they are basically allowing him to, um, uh, run their lives and dictate who they're allowed to talk to, who not to and whatnot. Um, and like all cults starts off with, Hey, I met somebody who's got some great ideas, really wants to help me. And, you know, um, I'm not in a good place emotionally, mentally, whatnot, but this person cares, you know, and they're going to, uh, you know, try to, uh, you know, help me uh, live a better life. And then uh, before you know it, things are not going so well. Um, and I believe he was just recently sentenced to about 60 years in prison for right. the crimes that he committed. So um, if that's your thing, watch it. Um, but if you're looking for lewd and lascivious um, details, which I was pleased were not in there. You know, that's I'm not looking for. You don't want here. exploitation now. No, not at all. Um, if, if, if that's what you're looking for, skip this. Cause it's, it's very heavy on the emotional toll that, um, that was taken on these poor children's lives and, and watching them put, try to put the pieces back together. Um, and in some cases it's a happy story. In some cases, not. All right. Ron. Yes. What are you watching? Oh, well, thank you for asking, Brian. Uh, so I watched the first uh, first three episodes of The Consultant on Amazon Prime, new show mm -hmm. with Christoph Waltz. Uh, he is a consultant um, that goes to work at a video game company after a workplace tragedy, although no one seems to know why exactly he's there. Uh, it is, I will say, it's a dark comedy almost. Uh, okay. A lot of intrigue, a lot of mystery. Um I like it so far. I mean, we were talking before the show, Christoph Waltz plays the same character. He's just mm -hmm. good sometimes, evil other times, crazy other times. So I think this is kind of borderline evil, crazy Christoph Waltz. Um, the first episode, there's some, some, you're kind of getting an idea where it goes. And then at the end, the final scene is just so like off the wall that you're like, what the hell did I just watch? And it's just each episode has those parts of it that you're like, this seems like a normal show. And then it, it, it gets weird. 
mm-hmm. but it's good. I would I would recommend that. Um, I also watched the new M Night Shyamalan film, uh, Knock oh. at the Cabin. Um, How was that? That was good. I liked it. Again, I don't think it's is it six cents good? No, but it's a decent movie. Um, it moves quickly. It's an hour and forty minutes. There's not a lot of wasted time. Not a lot of wasted dialogue. It's an interesting story. Um, I would recommend it. Uh, it's a good watch if you like mm-hmm. just like a decent horror film. Uh, but uh, my- can you tell me? I'm sorry. Can you at least tell me like what's the plot of it? So the premise is, is there is there is a family um, at this cabin in the woods, um, two husbands and their adopted daughter and Dave Batista and a group of three other people um, kind of break into the cabin and hold the family hostage because they say the family has to decide to kill one of the three of themselves. And Dave Batista and his group can't decide, can't kill them um, or the world is going to be destroyed by an apocalypse. And then you see how that plays out. Okay. So three people break into a house. And four say, people break guys, into a house. Four people in the, in the, four people break into a house and say, yeah. you have to pick one of us to kill. Or? No, no, no. The one of the, either one of the two husbands or the kid, the family of three has oh. to pick one of the family members and the other two have to kill the third family member in order to save the earth from this apocalypse that is supposed to happen. So if no, so if none of the three agree on who to kill, the apocalypse will happen. There are various plagues that are, and they ask them multiple times and each time they, they refuse to make a decision, there is a plague unleashed on the earth. And so really? you have, yeah. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's it's well done. Um, mm-hmm. I, again, I liked it. You know, it's not getting great reviews out there. I think it's you know it's based on a book, and I think people that like the book they don't like the way that the movie was changed from the book. Uh, but it right. was good. I think it's one of the better M Night films that he's done uh, out of his last few films. Um, okay. But the best movie I watched, and I just watched it today. Uh, was the new Darren Aronofsky film, The Whale, starring Brendan Mm -hmm. Fraser, uh, where he plays a morbidly obese uh, online English professor who is trying to reconnect with his estranged daughter uh, before he dies. Um, Great film. And you... Really? Great film. And you, you are, you are someone who I think is a student of film. You love just great filmmaking. I think this is great. yeah, yeah. I think this is great filmmaking. Um, you know, I can see why Brendan Fraser has won awards for this role. I would sure. put him as a as a strong Oscar contender. And you know, my wife and I watched this, and we were in tears at the end of the movie. It, it really? is that it is that strong. It is that emotional. Um, it is that good. So if you get where, the opportunity, um, where is it on? Um, it's on a few different streaming services. It's in the theaters. Um, I don't, I, you know, we watch it through this thing called Plex. So I'll have to, right. I'll have to see if we can get you connected with that. Okay. Um, I might be able to obtain a, uh, I mean, if it's not streaming, um, you know, for the masses, I might be able to, uh, see if I could reach out to the publicity and get a yeah. screener copy, get a screener copy. Um, yeah. just, you know, again, it's, it's based off of a play and you can really tell like the way that it's shot, you can see how it would have worked as a stage play. Mm-hmm. Um, but as good as everyone has been saying it is. And Brendan and Fraser will, is yeah. as good as everyone says it. I mean, it's just, it, it just, it just tears at your heartstrings through the movie. And then it just ends on such an emotional note that 
Um, I, I would put this up there with one of his best works. Well, are we talking Brendan Fraser or um, Aronofsky? Both. Because Brendan Fraser's best work was The Mummy. Well, of course. I would put this above The Mummy. And wow. I would put this, and for Darren Aronofsky, I would put this above The Wrestler, which was a great movie. Wrestler was a great movie. But yes. um, I, I would say not as good as, um, ah, shit, what was the one he did about the heroin addicts? Um, with uh, with uh, Jared Leto, uh, Marlon Wayans, um, Jennifer Connelly. Was that? Um, uh, Requiem for a Dream. Was that White Girls? Oh, Requiem, no, for, Requiem a dream. for a Dream. Gotcha. Um, and you know what, Joe? JoJo says something very true, which is she can't watch sad things. And I'm going to say, you know what? I, I I am prepared to watch sad things because I read the news every day. And what goes on in this world can't be rivaled by what Hollywood comes up with. Wow, you just you you get. I've noticed how much deeper you've got as a person since you've won the title. Since you've won the title. Now, I have a question. At some point, am I allowed to slam this belt against your forehead? Are you, are you <laughs> I mean, willing to cut yourself open after I slam this belt against you? Listen, you know, this it, it, it's a situation of where, um, you know, you can do what you want. And, uh, you know, I, I can't stop you. All right. So, Brian, uh, I got yes, to ask you this question. Um, this was a, a story that was burning up the internet. Um, it was the story of someone on a flight who was talking about how their uh, seat partner in the middle seat of the plane ate, brought on and ate a full rack of ribs, sides included, um, which has garnered outrage from people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. saw this. Now, Let's talk, Ron. You are someone who who travels extensively. You are very well traveled. You are a world traveler. How would you respond to your seatmate on a flight, regardless of how long it was, um, eating a rack of ribs next to you? I think I would be fascinated, disgusted, um, but I don't know that I would say anything to them. Okay. Now, to be fair, like, you're not, other, you're not, like, you don't like confrontation. I don't, I don't. But yeah. at the same time, there are things that I would say. Like okay. there was a story on um, on social media this week where somebody, a woman, had thrown her hair <sighs> over the um, the chair, so it was in the, it was literally, you know, um, streaming around in the face. I think I would have said something there. Yeah, but I a rack so. of ribs. I do, and also I will say this. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan. I am a, a carnivore. So therefore, there would be part of me that would be sitting there being like, wonder if those ribs are good. Wonder <laughs> if like, I wonder what kind of barbecue sauce, like, like, is it tangy? Is it spicy? Like, what do we like? Like, that would be going through my head. If I was a vegetarian, I would be horrified sure. um, to sit next to somebody who decided to take out a rack of ribs. But also, there is something to be said. Um uh, just like once again, I you know uh, to bring it full circle. I started you know talking about a, a lack of concern at Costco for those around you. Somebody who's going to bring a rack of ribs with um, uh, uh, fries onto a plane, and the thing was that if I, I I if I remember correctly, they were sitting in the middle of a three seater. Yes. Correct. So you know you've got people on both ends. I mean yep. that literally is. Um, you know, just absolutely a, I don't care what other people think. 
and I will go. I will not do you know anything that might slightly improve the experience of those around me. Yeah, because I mean, ribs are very aromatic. They are, and I, I will say this: I'm very torn on this because. On the one side, I get where the guy with the rack of ribs is coming from, because for what he probably paid for those rack of ribs, you would get like a few cubes of cheese and crackers and grapes if you bought a snack on the plane. So it feels like more economical to bring your. Now, also, I would not say anything because I am as non-confrontational as you are, but I'm also considerate of my fellow travelers like if I'm going to purchase food to bring on a plane, I'm not going to get. Like, I'm not going to get onions. I'm not going to get yes. fish. I'm not going to get, you know, I'm not going to get something that, to your point, overly aromatic. Yeah. Ribs, it's it's borderline because who doesn't like the smell of ribs? Vegans, vegetarians. Um, and also people that just don't want to smell ribs. True. You know, I mean, also there's the other aspect of it, which is if I'm sitting there and I purchased a, um, a, a moderately stale ham and cheese sandwich... <laughs> At you know the Hudson News in the in the um, in the airport that I'm you know uh, uh, opening up a small packet of uh, mustard to put on it and the bread is just hard it's been refrigerated probably frozen a couple times but like if I'm eating that sandwich I don't want to smell somebody else's ribs true I mean all that's going to do is destroy whatever little pleasure I might get from this ham and Swiss sandwich. I don't want to smell somebody's rack of ribs. Well, and also, I mean, it, you know, the person posted a photo and it was like, it was like a pizza box size takeout of ribs. Sure. So you know, I mean, they yeah. probably went to Chili's to go. Point being, you're in the middle seat. That that yeah. box has to be spilling over into the space of the, the window and the uh, the aisle passenger. So it's- There's- I think the the airlines have created this issue, but again, we always we've talked so often about that social contract where you, yeah. you try and be considerate of your fellow man. And yes, just because you can bring a full rack of ribs on the plane with you doesn't necessarily mean that you should bring a full rack of you ribs. You shouldn't. With you. Absolutely you should not. But you know what you should do, Ron? What's that? You should go to our website, Ron and Brian Podcast. Dot com. Click the link in the upper right-hand corner that says become a patron. Now, what happens when you become a patron? You are able to access um, exclusive behind-the-paywall content every week after we finish this podcast on Sunday nights. We do um, a minimum of 30 minutes of exclusive content that only our Patreon subscribers, our supporters, and our friends get access to for as little as $5 a month. And for as much as $100,000 lifetime contribution, you are um, taking an active role in supporting this podcast. You are supporting Ron. You are supporting Brian. Myself, excuse me. Um, but most importantly, what you're doing is you're helping offset the costs that Ron and I go out of pocket for on this show, um, right? You know, throughout the year, um, you know, Streamyard with the service that we use this pod that, that we use to create this podcast, right? That costs money. The website costs money. Um, you know, one of the things we do every month is we do a uh, pajama party where we invite all of our um, 
what it's not bronze is it bronze level and higher uh yes bronze yes. because aluminum is the five dollar so Correct. for five dollars a month literally the price of a starbucks cup of coffee you have no excuse not to do this um for five dollars a month you get an audio um a file that you can download once a week and listen to the extra 30 minutes of uh, material now what kind of material you're asking these are stories that are are not quite ready for Facebook. YouTube does not want us talking about it on their platform. So we put it behind the paywall. Patreon is willing to host. Um, other things that we do is for $10 a month, price of two cups of coffee a month. People, this is not a lot of money. We're not trying to get rich off of this. We're simply just trying to... You All right, Maybe. It'd be nice. Um, it would be nice. Yeah. Um, but what we do is, you know, for ten dollars a month, you get a um, you get a video file of the show. It looks almost like this, but you know, it's a little bit nicer because you know there's a lot more photos. You know, we do we do stories such as you know, um, you know, I, I don't should should we say what kind of stories we have? I think um, I think you know they really have to experience it themselves. Understood. But the real the the crown jewel of the bronze level or higher of Patreon is the pajama party, which I mentioned earlier. Once a month, the last Sunday of every month, we have um, we send out an invitation to our Patreons um, uh, and they come on the show with us, just like Ron and I are on. You know, we've got, you know, four or five, six people um, once a month. Um, and, and we talk every other month. We're trying to have a game. Can you beat Ron? Um, and... Uh, this month we do have a um a, a, a game um and February is Black History Month. So it is what does that look for? I just get worried with some of the content you do. No, not at all. Not at all. all. Right. There won't be anything inappropriate. All um right. Black History Month. So we will be celebrating um uh the uh contributions of uh of, of black people throughout uh, right. history. Um anything to add, Ron? Uh, nothing to add. Although, do we want to talk about the uh, the elephant in the room? What's the elephant in the room? Um, so last week, um, I talked about uh, a new project, um, a little side project, um, which you seemed supportive of. You seemed supportive of the uh, the Ron and Ron podcast. So you can imagine my shock when I received a uh, a cease and desist letter. Um, from you, uh, claiming claiming ownership of the words the Ron, the ampersand, and podcast. Um, here's a photo of the cease and desist. Um, I was hurt by this, and there's no other way around it. I hurt thought why? you were fine with. Well, I thought you were fine with my side project, and um, obviously, this is on official uh, Ron and Brian podcast letterhead. Uh, sure. It was delivered by Courier, and I just felt like you know this would be something that we could have had a man-to-man -man discussion about. Is that the same way that we could have had the man-to-man -man conversation beforehand about whether you were going to do the show or not? No, no, we did. We did the show last week. You and I did the no, Ron no, and no. Brian podcast. You, you at no point said to me in advance, "Hey, Brian, I'm thinking about doing my own show." Well, we've had that discussion was there, on was, and at off. Any over the point. Years. At any point, did you say to me, I'm going to be using the Ron and Blank podcast? Um, you know, I do feel that there is some, uh, you know, copyright infringement. Okay. I believe that there is some uh, uh, intellectual property 
that is being, um, how do I say this, um, stolen. Right. And you do a Ron and Ron podcast. So, you know, you want to do another podcast? Absolutely. That's fine. But there's different, um, you know, you, uh, come up with a different name for it. Well, then lawyer up because I'm not coming for just 30%. I'm coming for the whole thing. Yeah. But you know what you got? You're stuck at 49% <laughs> because I've got this bad boy. It's it's addictive. Once you hold the belt, you don't want to let it go. <sighs> I'm going to do a victory lap around the house a couple times before uh, Petra. So not only was the Ron and Ron podcast canceled this week, uh, also Scott Adams, uh, creator of the Dilbert comic strip, uh, canceled by a number of newspapers. Um, apparently, he made some comments on his online show, Real Coffee with Scott Adams, uh, stating that uh, or advising white people to, quote, get the fuck away from black people. Um, Gannett, the largest newspaper publisher in the Gannett. U.S., announced that Gannett uh, announced Gannett. that it will no longer carry his comic. Uh, Cleveland Plains Dealer, Washington Post, um, all cutting. I mean, he's been on kind of a, a downward spiral um, over the last few years. Uh, very outspoken. Um, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, Adams um, basically said black people are a hate group. Um, and that white people should stay away from them. Listen, he's wrong. There are um, black group. Uh, black people are not a hate group. I, you know, if you look at, you know, he has been a a, a staunch opponent of woke culture. Um, and if you act in, in my experience, the people that are most taking a stand as part of woke culture are fellow white people, are white people who have sat there and said, listen, we may happen to have the same skin and be of the same culture as you. Um, but we don't necessarily believe that um, uh, it is a, a, a right, it is anything fair, and that we should be um, celebrating at the expense of other races and cultures and other groups, that other groups should have an equal opportunity and that other people should not have to face being insulted or made to feel less than on a regular basis because they're not white. Right. Um and Scott Adams is absolutely allowed to speak his mind, to speak his opinion. And as I said earlier on the episode, fuck around. You find out there, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she has a right to speak her mind, as does Scott Adams. And in this case, he is dependent on um, uh, uh, media organizations purchasing the licensing right of his comic. And they also have the right to not sign up for his comment, right. to cancel their um, licensing of such. And um, as such, he is going to be losing um, uh, revenue um, for these views. And he's going to turn around and be like, what culture is canceling me? <laughs> and at the same time, it's no, your views are unpopular. Right. And because of that, um, you're not going to get the support of the masses. And if that's, if that, and, and if that's a price he's willing to pay, then so be it. Well, he said he expected to take a huge financial hit um, from these cancellations, but I mean, he's already made a good amount of money off this, yeah, he uh, doesn't, this silver franchise. He'll be he'll be fine he again. He doesn't. Need, he's been doing that for probably what 30, 40 years at this about point? thirty years now. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't need the money. He, um, and also, let's be brutally honest. Dilbert hasn't been entertaining in in, in at least a decade. Yeah, uh, easily. I mean, Dilbert easily. Dilbert came up being a very. Um, a, a biting uh, commentary on office culture. Well, and, really? I, and I think you could you could really tell when Scott Adams became comfortable 
financially. Mm-hmm. Because that's really when I think Dilbert lost its edge and just became, it became like Garfield, like just very yes. innocuous, very, like you said, not cutting edge, just very, Correct. you know, re- rehashed and everything else. I would have preferred it if Dilbert started talking about eating lasagna and how much Dilbert <laughs> no. hates Mondays. Yeah. It would have been more entertaining, but it just <laughs> he just lost his way so long ago. Um with with, with uh, uh, comics that were just filler, that um, there will be no loss in right. the in in the world. And finally, this week, Brian, your thoughts on the Alex Murdoch trial and him taking the stand in his own defense? I was shocked that he took the stand. Um, you know, nowadays in America, you know, taking the stand is basically allowing um, the uh, the prosecutors to get a opportunity to cross examine you. They absolutely, um, he got up there, um, talked about how, yes, he was um, uh, out the house at Moselle. Um, he uh, did discover the bodies, um, called the police, and um, but he was not there when the murders happened. Um, unfortunately, by taking the stand, uh, you got to question the, um, you know, the, 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 the legal theory here, you know, whether this was him sitting there telling his lawyers, I want to... Um, testify whether his lawyers were sitting there telling him this is a good idea, but the prosecutors really were able to um, uh, not only place him there, but um, really establish the fact that he was there prior to the murder. He was there after the murder. Um, he did not see anybody else that was um, there. There were no other witnesses. There were no other other people there. Um, his cell phone had some rather suspicious activity in the sense that after um, he had uh, called the police and prior to the police showing, he was Googling local restaurants on his phone, which is certainly not normal behavior for somebody who has just found his wife and son taken out um, by various assault weapons. Um, just just I, I'm just I'm very surprised. I don't believe he helped his case at all. No. I mean, they, he had to admit that he had lied initially about his story and the sure. prosecution really hammered that home in the cross-examination. And then the, when the defense was questioning him, he, he put out the theory that, you know, they were his, his wife and son were killed uh, due to uh, this, his son uh, allegedly driving the mm-hmm. boat that killed uh, a woman years ago. Um, right. And then, you know, the defense basically, I mean, the prosecution on cross-examined said, like, we well, don't think it was anybody tied to the people on the boat. So you mean that it was just a five-foot-tall vigilante um, right. that came to your home, knew your family would be in the kennels that, where they weren't supposed to be, mm-hmm. did not bring their own weapons, used your own weapons to kill your wife and daughter, or wife and son. Um, just, it, it did not, yeah, it, it was, uh, again, I think he probably, I can't imagine any lawyer would have recommended him taking the stand. I, I think right. one, one thing I heard is, you know, you get an individual like Alex Murdoch, who's been a lawyer for so long, mm-hmm. who feels that they can defend themselves better than anybody else. Sure. And feels that they can go up there and tell any story they want and make it believable. And it was, it was not, it was absolutely not only not that believable. also his only remaining son. So his wife was killed. His right. younger son is killed. His older son was still alive. Buster testifies on his, by the way, Buster has some of the worst hair known to mankind. <laughs> like I put, I'm not even talking about the color of his hair. I'm talking about that side part with the swirl oh, as yeah. it's coming. Oh, it's such. He really should wear his hair short. He, he should not yeah. grow it out like that without a doubt. Correct. Just a terrible haircut. Um, 
Buster looks like somebody that would get drunk on a boat and slam it into the um, <laughs> underside of a bridge, uh, murdering one of his friends. No, he Alleged. looks like somebody that would. It just do looks it. like. I'm not saying Paul did it. <laughs> um, well, Paul's not around to defend himself anymore, so I could say that he did it. I suppose. Um, there's video. Did you ever watch that show on? I think I watched the HBO or the Hulu show. I saw that Netflix now has a show on. Yeah, on Netflix Murdoch. has another one. It's very repetitive. I watched the first episode of Murdoch Murders, and it's very repetitive. It goes yeah, a little bit just, more into the boat accident, but I'm going to wait to see the follow up of this case uh, when they yeah. eventually make the the additional episodes. Should uh, be Brian, interesting. Yes, we need to go get ready for the. We do need party. to go. I need to get ready for Can You Beat Ron because it's going to be an exciting night. You need to polish up that goddamn belt, my friend, and make it look presentable. Anything else before we shoot on out of here tonight? Absolutely no. I love you, buddy. All right. Love you, too. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Patreon folks, we will see you in a few. Thank you for joining us on the Ron and Brian podcast. We're live each week on YouTube. Facebook, and Twitch. You can find prior episodes, links to our social media, and everything else Ron and Brian at ronandbrianpodcast.com. See you again next week.